coming up on today's Locked on Dimebacks podcast. Part two with Sully Baseball for which teams are under the most pressure to crush this offseason. And I want to discuss how should Mike Hazen attack this D-backs offseason. Discussing all that on today's Locked on Dimebacks podcast. You are Locked on Diamondbacks. Your daily Arizona Diamondbacks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into the Locked On Diamondbacks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day listening to who? The always charismatic host of this podcast, Miller Thomas. I'm a multimedia journalist and I'm a graphic designer, so please go check out my website, millerthomas24.myportfolio.com. I'm there you can see all my latest work, from my packages to my articles to my photos and my graphic design. If you want to see more content by me, just follow me on Twitter, at creatorthomas24 from my personal account. Or just look up Locked on Dimebacks on both Twitter and Instagram for the podcast handle. And of course, thank you for making Locked on Diamondbacks your first listen every day. I would not be able to do this podcast without you, my loyal listeners, sharing, subscribing, reviewing, doing all that so I could do this podcast for you. Thank you. It's free and available on all platforms, so please continue to tell your friends. One of those platforms is YouTube, so please hit subscribe on the Locked on Dimebacks YouTube channel. Because we are slowly growing on there, trying to get more subscribers. So please hit subscribe on the Locked on Dimebacks YouTube. Now we're going to get into part two with Sully Baseball for which teams are under the most pressure to perform this offseason. But first, I want to discuss how Mike Hazen needs to attack the offseason, this D-backs offseason. Because I think this is a really important offseason for the D-backs. And so... There are a few things I think Mike Hazen needs to do, some steps, some processes he needs to take for this to be a successful offseason. And the first one I think he needs to do is look at this offseason as a as the year one of building a long-lasting playoff contender. This is not the offseason where we're going to make the all-in moves. This is not the offseason where you go out there and, and sign the Aaron Judges of the world. But this should be the first step, the first offseason where you actually try to build a playoff contender. I'm not saying they haven't tried to do that the last couple of years, but some of the moves they made, like signing a Jubal Cabrera and Alva Perez, those aren't going to be the moves that move the needle to help you get closer to the playoffs, right? So for this D-backs team, they need to start making winning moves, win-now moves. Not all-in moves, but at least win-now moves. Moves that will help the D-backs make the playoffs within the next couple years, if not next year. The D-backs are not going to go out there and sign someone like Trey Turner to a massive $300 million deal. One, because we know their owner is way too cheap to do that. And two, the D-backs are not necessarily in a position where they're a Trey Turner away from competing for a title. Trey Turner wants to win now, and the D-backs are not exactly in World Series or bust mode. So we're not exactly the perfect fit for a Trey Turner. Also, the D-backs think Jordan Lawler could be ready by the end of next season, if not the year after. So there's a couple of reasons why the D-backs wouldn't just go out there and sign like a Trey Turner. But does that mean the D-backs should just sit on their hands and just give the job to a Geraldo Perdomo or Nick Ahmed? I'm not saying that they should do that either. I'm saying the D-backs are not going are not going to go out there and sign Trey Turner because we know about Jordan Lawler, him being on the precipice of potentially making his debut in the near future, 
But that shouldn't stop the D-backs from at least going out there and getting a quality bridge shortstop that you can use as trade bait until Jordan Lawler is ready. Because why not still have a really good player playing shortstop that's not a Nick Ahmed or Gerardo Perdomo who, let's face it, right now those are below average major leaguers. The D-backs could go out there and still sign or trade for an above average major leaguer that you just have for a year or two to use as a bridge gap until Jordan Lawler comes over that helps you actually win games in the short term and then you can trade him for maybe future assets or reliever down the line until Jordan Lawler is ready. That's the kind of moves that the D-back should be thinking about. So that's the first thing I'm doing if I'm Mike Hazen. Obviously not going to sign the superstars, but you can still sign quality players until some of those young players are ready to mature. Number two, start building up that bullpen we know the d-backs bullpen is the biggest weakness on this team and the bullpen is not going to be fixed in one offseason but the d-backs need to come away with at least a couple arms who will be sticking around past this season the d-backs can't just go out there and sign relievers to one-year deals who are going to leave if they have a good season in free agency next year the d-backs need to sign good relievers and hope the good relievers stay in the building past this season that's how you build stability in the back end of your bullpen and specifically the d-backs are going to need a couple of a couple of quality right-handed pitchers because they do have Joe Mantiply and Kyle Nelson, two really good lefty relievers right now. So if they could go out there and get two righty relievers, now you got four dudes in the bullpen I can trust. I would love that for the for the D-backs. Finding a closer, that would be absolutely gold, but I don't know if it's going to happen this offseason, but if they're able to do it, that would also be phenomenal. So number two on my list, start building up that bullpen. Number three thing that I think Mike Hazen has to do is start exploring the trade market for the outfielders, but, but don't rush into anything. Start putting out feelers, start putting out phone calls, start hitting up the GMs. Hey, sir. Hey, Mr. Crane of Houston. How's it going? Want to make a deal? Give me Framber Valdez for Alec Thomas? Like the D-backs, we know, have a log jam in the outfield, and they will eventually need to make a move. But does that but does that mean they need to make a move right now? That's not what that means. We know they have a log jam, but the talent is so young, so fresh, so raw. They don't have to rush into making any moves. If there is a trade out there that helps the D-backs get better and win games in the short term, like trading in Alec Thomas or Jake McCarthy for one of those Houston Astros starters or a Freddie Peralta from Milwaukee. If you could do one of those deals, then okay, I'll be listening to that. But if you're just trading one of the outfielders for future assets, I just think that would be a bad idea. So for my case, number three would be explore the trade market for the outfielders, but don't rush into anything. I just want to see how these players are currently valued and what you could get back in a potential deal. Number four, don't sign veterans to take major opportunity away from young players. And when I'm when I say that, I'm not trying to contradict number one, which is, you know, st still get those bridge gap players, you know, until like a Jordan Lawler is ready. Number four means don't go out there and sign the Rich Hills and the Wade Miley's veterans way past their prime who just aren't going to be that quality to take opportunity away from the Dre Jameson's, the Ryan Nelson's and the Brandon Fats like we don't want that. Don't sign a don't sign players like Robbie Grossman who are going to be expecting real opportunity but 
are not going to be able to get it because of the logjam in the outfield. And don't promise the guys like Robbie Grossman they're going to get opportunity. We need to sign quality veterans who know they are the second option on the team. They know they are coming in to mentor the young kiddos and be the backups of young kiddos. I'm not anti-signing veterans. I'm just anti-signing veterans at positions where we have the Corbin Carrolls and the Dalton Varshows of the world. The shortstop for the D-backs, you can sign a quality veteran there until Jordan Lawler is ready. Third base, I like Josh Rojas, but he can play all over the field. He can do second base with Ketel Marte going to DH. I'm not really that in on Manny Rivera. So if the D-backs want to go out there and sign uh, Evan Longoria to platoon with Josh Rojas, like I wouldn't be upset at that. It's the other positions. Don't go out there and just sign old starting pitchers like a Dallas Keuchel again. When you have these really young starters already on the major league level and in the farm system coming up. So that would be my number four thing for Mike Hazen. Don't just go out there and sign veterans to take opportunity away from young players from young players at power positions. Then the last thing on my list that Mike Hazen needs to do to attack this offseason and make it a successful offseason is get Madison Bumgarner off the team. I don't care if you have to pay for the whole contract. I don't care if you have to give up your firstborn son. Get Madison Bumgarner off the team because right now, He's an anchor in this rotation that's holding the rotation back, holding this team back. Every fifth day he has to go out there and start is a nightmare for this D-backs franchise. So figure out a way to get Mass and Bumgarner off the team. And like I said on yesterday's podcast, if you have to start GoFundMe, I'm sure D-backs Nation will happily donate some money. So what are the five things I think Mike Hazen needs to do? Look at this offseason as year one of building a lasting playoff contender. Don't be afraid to go out there and sign quality, you know, players to be bridges at positions like shortstop, right? But don't go out there and make all-in moves because the D-backs are not ready for a player like an Aaron Judge. Just make win-now moves, but not all-in championship or bust moves. Number two, start building up that bullpen. We know it can't be done in one offseason, but you got to start somewhere. So the D-backs need to come away with a couple of quality relievers. Number three, explore the trade market for the outfielders, but don't rush into anything. You want to see what kind of value these outfielders have. So if they play even better during the season, you know you can ask for even more. Number four, don't sign veterans to take major opportunity away from the young players. So don't sign old, crusty starters to take away opportunity from the Dre Jamisons of the world. Don't sign the Jordan Luplos to take opportunity away from the Varshos of the world. If you're going to sign a veteran, it better be for like shortstop or third base or you know something like that. Don't do it at positions where you already have a young, starling, darling just waiting in the wings. And then number five, Get Madison Bumgarner off this team because he's definitely more of a detrimental than anything else. Now, if you want to bet on the D-backs crushing this offseason, you need to head to betonline.net because it's your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there, from football to basketball to soccer and esports. We've got it all at betonline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at betonline as well. We're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fix in. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online where the game starts.
Sully, let me give you another team on my list uh, real quick because um, I think there's a bunch of teams. Honestly, I think you could just kind of go through the whole AL East and kind of make a case for a bunch of these teams. Like I'm specifically looking at like the Blue Jays and Baltimore Orioles because yeah. the Blue Jays came into last offseason as like everyone's like offseason darling. Everyone thought they were going to win the World Series. You looked at that lineup with the Bichettes, the Tiaskers, the Springers, the Vlads. You looked at the rotation stack too. I remember you thought Jose Barrios was going to be the Cy Young Award winner. That might have been the worst miss of the season. We won't even talk about it, so nope. but yeah, we will just. No, I'll, talk, I'll admit it. I, I whiffed on that pick. That but, but, but did you pick Furlander? Let me see. Did you write down Furlander? I have to go back and see who I might have picked that year. But Blue Jays, I think, are under a lot of pressure, especially after trading Tiasco Hernandez, which is just a deal I really don't understand. Like, it's so easy to get an MLB All Star. You just trade them a bag of peanuts and say this 16 year old prospect from Cuba is going to be a superstar in 10 years, and then boom, you got an All Star on your team. Like, it's really crazy how MLB deals happen so for the blue jays i think there's a ton of pressure considering the expectations that they had last year they fired their manager weird season for them so i think the blue jays are under a lot of pressure and also the baltimore orioles who were winning all these games last year then the trade deadline came around they said hey let's just move off some of our better players because we're not even ready to win right now what kind of message does that send to your fan base we're trading away players in the midst of a playoff run you don't want to send that message to your fan base and players on your team so i think they need to make moves to show that their fan to show that they're to their fans and to their players like we're serious about winning we're not just going to try to rebuild and tank every year because where does that get you as a as a franchise as a whole so i hope they go out there this offseason this offseason actually make moves to try to win games and build toward the playoff race well that's the reason why i picked the baltimore Orioles to be the team to sign carlos correa Mm -hmm. that i think that they will i think they're going to make a splash i think there are some major free agents out there and I think they are going to – and it's not about we're going to sign a couple of pretty, they, pretty good players. They need to get a marquee signing to send the message to their fans that, hey, we're, we're, we're going to go for it. Because you saw – Baltimore can be a great baseball city. You saw when they were starting yeah. to win. They were, they were showing up. And, howdy in Baltimore. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, another factor I wanted to bring up about um, Toronto is obviously they made a ton of moves – in the previous year to sort of push their chips to the center of the table and to win what they thought was going to be a winnable division. And the way they lost the postseason, getting shut out in game one and then blowing that huge lead to Seattle and being humiliated at home in that, that the game where they were up like what, seven to one, eight to one, something crazy like that. And they wound up losing that game, uh, an elimination game at home to the Mariners, uh, I thought that was going to cost the, the the manager's job. Uh, you know, who's in or manager anyway, Schneider. And and I was stunned that he was able to keep his job. Uh, but when you have a when you have huge expectations and your your postseason ends on such a grotesque note, that there there has to be a mission from that front office for the fans to say, uh, okay. Uh, we're sorry. <laughs> Our bad. Um, you, you, the Yankees are in a very strange position right now. Um, they Everything went right the first half of the season. And it looked like the people were saying, oh, this is going to be a 110-win team. Like the Giants in 2021, I never believed this was a 110-win team. They want to be a 99-win team, uh, appropriately for a year with Aaron Judge, number 99. Um, 
But Yankee fans are tired of making the playoffs and then walking away. There is there is a stigma to the Hal Steinbrenner era, which is he seems to be fine with it. The Yankees draw very well. They have very good television ratings. You know, the, the stands are, 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 they get very good crowds. They sell a lot of, you know, foam, we're number one fingers and, and, and ice cream cups and helmets. They get a lot of revenue from their TV stream because they own the network. So if from a business point of view, what, there's no problem. There's no problem. Since the last time the Yankees have appeared in the World Series, half the teams in baseball have also appeared in the World Series and not the Yankees. And so basically the bottom half of recent pennant winners, when you stop and think about it, Yankee fans are tired of that. And they're tired of being sold, hey, we're contending and it's a crapshoot. Um, and, and, but then you see terrible roster construction from Brian Cashman. I could do a whole series of podcasts about why I find it absolutely bewildering that Cashman still has this job. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, and not that I think Cashman's in common. He's been in there too long. You need to shake the edge of sketch every once in a while. You need to bring some new blood because this, you know, their analytics, is, they're not cutting it. The roster construction is terrible. And then Aaron Boone, I mean, is he a good manager or not? I don't know. He's told, He does what he's told. And I think Yankee fans are tired of it. You hear it all the time. They're tired. They're not satisfied. I think in 2017, when they were probably a year ahead of schedule and got to the league championship series, I think they were fine with that year because they thought, all right, all right, we're, we're, we, they beat an Indians team, and they were the Indians then. They beat an Indians team that everyone in their cow thought was going to win the pennant, uh, and then they wound up losing to an Astros team that was cheating. Okay. And so now they have a window of opportunity to, you know, to try to, you know, win. And we're now well into the second straight decade without a Yankee pennant. And I think that Yankee fan, I mean, think about the rule of seven here. You know, the rule of seven where you're about the rule of seven is my theory. And I talk about the podcast at nauseum. That is you start to have your major, uh, sports memories when you're around seven years old. Mm. And so with that in mind, like, you know, like if you're, you don't remember a lot of stuff when you're three, four or five years old of a baseball team, but when you're on seven, that's usually when your first memories of a team. So if you're a Yankee fan who's younger than 20 years old, you don't really have a memory of your team in the world series. No. And for a, that's basically a new generation of Yankee fans who say, you know, keep hearing about our team going to the World Series, 27 rings, not in my lifetime, not in my memory. And I, it's getting stale. And the Yankees first went to a World Series in 1921, 101 years ago, they went to their first World Series. Since then, only one manager has managed the team five straight years without winning a pennant. And that man is Aaron Boone. Oh, wow. Look at the fun fact there, Sully. And you know, the you know, Showalter managed him for four years when he was let go. Uh, and that has a caveat because in the 94 team was probably going to win the pennant. 
uh, when the strike hit. But every other time, you know, whether it's the Stump Merrills of the world or the the you know Bucky Dents or the Lou Pinellas or whomever Bill Vernon all go down up and down the Yankee roster. If you don't want to pet it in three or four years, buy kick you know kick rocks hit the bricks. You're done. And Aaron Boone still has his job. And I think that Yankee fans are a little tired of a front office that says, "What's the problem? This is yeah. we're we're fine with this. We're fine yeah. with this." Yeah, for the Yankees, I mean, this is such a weird point. I think they're the obvious answer to the question, which team is under the most pressure this offseason? I just felt like we've talked about the Yankees so much. Maybe we just want to avoid them as an easy answer because for this Yankees team, this is quite literally maybe the biggest point in Yankees franchise history over the last decade over the last 20 years because what happens this offseason can set up the next 10 to 20 years for the Yankees franchise for the Yankees lore for the Yankees institutions because I don't know what the Yankees stand on anymore they used to be the bad boys who went out there in free agency and spent money and got the top players I used to look at those Yankees lineups from the early 2000s where it was like six seven eight players deep you had your main rotation starter with two or three guys behind him that you felt confident in you had the Mariano Rivera is closing at the back end of the bullpen. You had stars at every other position around the diamond in your rotation in the bullpen for this Yankees team. You weren't ever worried about your best homegrown player leaving, unless his name was Robinson Cano. So for this Yankees team, it's like, if Aaron Judge leaves the Yankees franchise, where do the Yankees go from here? How can they look their fan base in the faces and say, we're trying to get back to the World Series by letting a historic player like Aaron Judge walk? How can you keep bringing back Aaron Boone? How can you keep bringing back Brian Cashman if a player like Aaron Judge walks? So this offseason is huge because this is like a hot seat offseason for the GM. Usually you see these kind of hot seat transactions happen during the season after the offseason with you, you know, once you see how the team plays. But if Brian Cashman can't close a deal on Aaron Judge this offseason, that might be the straw that breaks the camel's back as to whether Brian Cashman should even build the team for 2023. I see that here's the deal, and this is where Yankee fans will probably kick in. If he loses Aaron Judge, um, Cashman still is going to have his job. I don't think anything, I don't think anything will prevent Cashman keeping his job. And yet the one time since 2000, the one time in the last 22 years that the Yankees have won the World Series, they did so after opening up their wallet, bringing in Sabathia, bringing in Teixeira, bringing in Burnett, and making sure that the Jeters and Rivera's and everyone didn't walk. And they just refused to do that. By the way, I want to bring the last team, and I have mentioned this team a few times, but um, the Guardians mm. need to bring a batter to in. Uh, I had Bryce Patrick on here yesterday talking about why I think um, Gallo should return to the Rangers because he has so much positive, you know, he has so much good blood and 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 good uh, uh, will in the bank in Texas. And he, in order, the last time Gallo was an All Star, you have to go all the way back to 2021 uh, with the Rangers. You know, come back and you know the and. For a cheap contract, you can bring him back to where he belongs, which is Texas. Um, 
but he could be an interesting fit in Cleveland, mm. especially because he's inexpensive. Peterson is an inexpensive signing. A professional hitter like J.D. Martinez, if you're trying to get someone to be just a solid bat in the middle of that lineup with that great pitching staff and all that young talent, imagine just plugging in J.D. Martinez. And look, at, we're not asking you to be a superstar. We're asking you to be almost like a, a second uh, um, you know, hitting coach to be here. Here's how we're going to be professional hitters in the middle of that lineup. You have a guy who you know, was an all-star this year, J.D. Martinez, you know, he's not the home run hitter, but he hit those doubles into the gap and were all those players, you know, those, those jackrabbits on Cleveland's roster to have a guy hitting doubles into the gap might mean an extra run here or there, which might be the difference between winning and losing a game with that tremendous pitching staff and that unbeatable bullpen that they have in Cleveland. Uh, I think that it's, uh, you know, quite frankly – the window, you know, we looked at, we talked about the Astros understanding the window of opportunity is right now. Cleveland has to know their window of opportunity is right freaking now. With a super young team, you add a, a, a veteran with playoff savvy veteran like JD Martinez, whose baseball IQ is off the charts. You plug him right into that lineup. Next thing you know, you have a couple extra hits, a couple extra wins, and maybe another division title, and maybe you roll the dice. Yeah, I think. The offseason is so important for the Cleveland Guardians is because of that division factor. You can basically mm-hmm. shut down that division over the next few years with a good offseason because you just look at it right now. Like the White Sox just lost their guy, Jose Abreu, like we talked about at the beginning of the podcast. Like they're severely going to be drained with talent potentially after this offseason. The Minnesota Twins, like they were a fun story for most of the year last year, but they all of a sudden after this offseason, like lose a Carlos Correa, like that's not going to all of a sudden help them become better after this offseason the tigers they spent a whole bunch of money last offseason but they seem like a disaster they had like one of the worst one of the worst offensive seasons ever by like an mlb team so the division is there for the taking for the guardians where it could be a parade to the playoffs the next five years and if they could build a good team through the offseason, through trades. I like the J.D. Martinez move, you know, idea maybe more than the Joey Gallo, just not a big Joey Gallo guy. But just your overall point of bringing big boys into that building, veterans who know what they're doing at the plate, guys who could draw out, you know, long at-bats like a J.D. Martinez. And he's one of those guys that, you know, when he gets in the lab, he brings others along with him and he rubs off on younger players. Him and Mookie Betts used to sit for hours on the bench and just go over game tape. So I think a guy like J.D. Martinez bringing him in the building would be huge for that young roster. Well, think about that when he had his cameo with Arizona. He was with the Diamondbacks for, what, two and a half months? But in that year, two and a half months ever. But, but think of how he affected that offense in, for that team. And that, you know, then he carried them right to the division series that year. I mean, he was that was just a phenomenal addition. You saw how he rubbed off on the other hitter. I mean, you you obviously saw it with a you know yeah. front row seat. He's so, a winner. And and he's not gonna take a long term, it's not gonna cost a long-term deal or anything like that to bring. And that's why I've brought up these players who were recent all-stars like Martinez, like um, you know, uh, Peterson, like Joey Gallo, who are players who are potential rebounds, potential comeback player of the years who may just need a change of scenery and bounce back. Well, there you go. There you, there you go. go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, this is a, the, those these are these are teams that need to make that big uh, you know, need to make that big splash.
Yeah, and honestly, you could make a case for, like, the whole AL East. I mean, the Red Sox, they need, like, something good to happen this offseason. Like, they're another team. I don't know what they're doing. Tampa Bay Rays, they're just another one of those teams that go out there, win 95 games, get to the playoffs, and just kind of flame out every year in the postseason. So it'd be kind of nice if they went out there and got, like, some real star potential. Like, why couldn't they go out there and get, like, a Jose Abreu? Would have been, like, a perfect Tampa Bay Ray, maybe because of the money. But I think the whole AL East, it just, like, offseason uh, – uh, chopping block time for figuring out what they need to be next year. Well, I know what you need to be every day is be listening to Locked On Dimebacks or Locked On MLB. And by the way, thanks so much for making Locked On MLB your first listen today. For your second listen, obviously Locked On Diamondbacks. Third listen, check out Locked On Sports today. For the games that matter the most of the biggest stories in sports, go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights that only Locked On can provide. Locked On Sports today is available on this app, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. And speaking of getting your podcasts, Miller Thomas, tell people where they're going to listen to your terrific show. Yeah, you can follow me on all streaming platforms, Spotify, Apple Music. Follow us on YouTube, Locked on Dimebacks on there as well. So please hit subscribe. Follow us on all your uh, social media platforms, Twitter at CreatorThomas24 for my personal account, or look up Locked on Dimebacks on both Twitter and Instagram. And you can follow us at Lockdown MLB Pods on Twitter and Instagram. And I'm your pal Sally with Sally Baseball on Twitter, Sally Baseball Podcast on Instagram. Talking about those teams that need to kill it and follow the lead of the Astros who are saying, we're not going to wait. We're going to improve our team right now. This has been a Lockdown MLB, Lockdown Dynamics crossover. He's Miller Thomas. I'm your pal Sally. It's time for us to fist bump. See you next week. Now that's it for this edition of the Lockdown Dimebacks podcast. Come back tomorrow for more Dimebacks news coverage and insight. I think we'll have a little crossover with Paul Holden of Lockdown Rockies. Haven't talked to him in a minute. Haven't talked to him since the season ended. So we'll talk to Paul about the offseason, get caught up with the Rockies, see what they're doing. I'm sure he's got some questions for us about the D-backs offseason. So it should be a fun crossover tomorrow. Thank you for making Lockdown Dimebacks your first listen every day. Make your second listen of the day, the Lockdown Sports Today podcast, because you got to go behind the scenes and beyond the scoreboard with insights from our local experts available wherever you get your podcasts and YouTube. And as always, stay safe, stay healthy, doses.